Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. Welcome to would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your High Five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. All right, brand new Iron Rappaport Stereo Podcast is coming up next. We're talking about the greatness of Venus and Serena as the beat goes on. Johnny Manziel gets dragged. Johnny Manziel, Johnny Cluckhead, Johnny Pillpop tried to come at me, the gringo mandingo. He's going to get that beautiful Willie Hutch treatment. That and so much more with G. Moody, last name rhymes with duty, and special guest, the United States' last line of defense, one of the greatest goalies in soccer history from New Jersey, the great Tim Howard, talking about a career and a life coping with Tourette's, playing for Manchester United overseas, not making the World Cup, and so much more, his top five MCs, this is one of the coolest motherfuckers I ever met. All kinds of medals, all kinds of awards, all kinds of trophies. One of the greatest goaltenders in soccer history. In United States soccer history is right there from New Jersey, Brick City. Special guest Tim Howard on a brand new hard body karate. I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Miles, Jordan, yo, you know what I need. Let, let me get that 1981. Alright, we're back, we're here, that's that 1981, 
G Moody Beats. Uh, this is the I Am Rap Report Stereo Podcast coming live and direct from the Gloom Tomb. Have no fear. The I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast is here. Yeah. My name is Michael Rappaport, a.k.a. the Jake LaMotta of podcasting, a.k.a. Yep. the Bill Lambeer of podcasting, a.k.a. the Gringo Mandingo, a.k.a. Mr. And White I- Folks, <laughs> a.k.a. White Mike, a.k.a. Bird. And as I said, we are the bad boys of podcasting, like the Detroit Pistons were. <laughs> and I am the Aaron Pryor of podcast. <laughs> yes. Yes, the great Aaron Pryor. I like that. I like that. The Aaron Pryor of fucking podcasting. I really like that, man. That's really fucking good. You threw me for that one. <laughs> um, if you yes. never listened to the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast, you are now rocking with the best. Fuck all the rest. Uh-huh. Uh, no disrespect to any of the other great podcasts out there. And there are so many of them. I want to give a shout out to my guy, Arian Foster, an early yeah. guest of the I Am Rappaport Stereo uh, podcast uh, while he was still in the NFL. He's rocking and rolling. I see he's climbing up the charts. We're the people that brought the competitive nature to podcasting. Yeah. Nobody absolutely. was talking that shit until nope. we hit that number one spot. Everybody was too humble. We ain't humble. We're talking That's that right. shit. When we're at number one, we're talking that shit. When we're at number two, number three, we're talking that shit. Why not? Okay? No one else wants to do it. We're talking that shit. Now everybody wants to, oh, the charts, the charts. No, nobody was talking talking that shit. Yeah. It takes guys with balls to come out here and say, fuck you, we number one. Exactly. Okay? And we could we could spread it around, okay? But the cream will always rise to the motherfucking crop. All right, so I want to give a shout-out to my man, Arian. He's doing his thing. Check his podcast out. Of course, the great Joey Coco Diaz, a pillar of podcasting, has been rocking for like seven years. You heard yep. him, the church of what's going on now, and all the other people doing their thing, okay? Yeah. But you are now rocking with the best. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast, Smash Mouth Podcasting. We do not fact check. We're getting into it, okay? We're getting into it. Let me just start with this. I want to give a shout out once again. It's almost LeBron James, Michael Jordan-like. At this point, we're taking the greatness for granted. The Williams sisters. Uh. What's going on? Indian Wells Tournament. They will be playing again. They just played again versus each other out in Indian Wells, which is the tournament every single year. It's a warm-up tournament. It's out there in Palm Springs. They're playing against each other again. (laughs) Serena is back kicking ass. As I mentioned, I saw her up at Runyon Canyon. She's doing the same training that I'm doing. Okay? Her... (laughs) And Venus just played the other night. Congratulations to Venus on winning that match. But it really doesn't even matter which Williams sister won. The fact that they've been doing it for so long. Yeah. They're going to be like Kareem out there. That's how bad they are. They're going to be like Kareem. Remember, Kareem was 42, like averaging like 20-something. 
Kareem was 42 with the bald head. Like, remember Word. when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, like, when nobody told him, like, yo, you got to shave your shit. And then somebody got in his ear. I don't know if it was Byron Scott or Silk Wilkes or if it was Pat Riley. Somebody said, yo, you got you got to shave your shit. You look fucking nuts. I don't remember cut if it was 84 shit. or 85, but you got to cut your shit. Man, you look nuts. Right. And then, and then he shaved his shit. He finished the rest of his career. And, and he's continued to... Uh, Rocked the bald head since then. Yep. But he was an elderly guy busting ass. So in tennis, you're usually done, what, by 29? This, this, yo, Serena beat a, beat a girl pregnant. I mean, I mean, that speaks for itself. <laughs> the point of the matter is that Venus Williams and Serena Williams continue to kick ass, smash mouth tennis. Venus Serena, once again, let me remind you, Serena Williams just gave birth to a beautiful baby girl, and they're still kicking ass. They can continue yeah. to kick ass in doubles for as long as they want. That's a fact, oh. and they're going to continue to do it. So I just wanted to shout them out. Uh, Absolutely. How you feeling about your Cavaliers, Moody? Did you see them uh, get their asses beaten? Oh, oh yeah. Um, they were shorthanded. Oh. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of injuries. Uh, so, but it's not the playoffs. No, I know. Uh, I need to uh, fill you in that the playoffs matter. When you get to the playoffs, I was just asking. It was just matters. a game the other night. You seemed defensive. I was just asking. The other night they played the lowly uh, Los Angeles Lakers, um, and uh, they looked like shit. They were shorthanded. I know. And remember, the playoffs is what matters. I, I, I know that. I know that. The I just, Lakers. I just was are throwing, not I know going it's your to favorite the team. I'm sorry, Jesus Christ. I know it's your favorite team. I just, yeah, just let, I, uh, uh, gee, I'm sorry. Should we? Do you want to move on? You seem like you don't want to uh, talk about that. Not, nah, not nah, because uh, these games don't matter. The playoffs is when everybody gets uh, ready to go. Copy, so when, when, when the playoffs come, then you talk to me. Copy that. Copy that, man. God, then there was such a sore spot. I mean, yeah, fine. Did you get um, upset that LeBron looked very upset on the bench? In Los Angeles at that Lakers game, did did that bother you at all? He looked very frustrated. Did that bother you? Oh, oh, did you? Uh, the guy who's been to uh, seven straight finals. You you think uh, I was bothered by that? Okay, no, of course not. Okay, all right, Jesus, sorry, man. And neither was he. This is that's a show. That's just a show for the cameras because the cameras are on him. Of course, he has to have that face. Okay, okay, all right, okay. Um, I want to give a shout out to. My other favorite team in the NBA, of course, I'm a Knicks fan, a disgruntled Knicks fan. Oh, you're still a Knicks fan? I, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a disgruntled Knicks fan who, who's not allowed to get free tickets in Madison Square Garden anymore. And I'm not complaining. It is a blessing. Uh, 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 but I will say <laughs> this. I will say this. I am no longer, until further notice, being given the celebrity hookup. Oh, were? <laughs> that I have gotten for years because of my outspokenness oh, about my man. frustrations during the Phil Jackson era. And, of course, my outspokenness and frustrations during the Charles Oakley era. Yeah. And I am no longer welcomed into the suite that Mr. Moody has joined me in for years. Oh, we, we have gone there for years. Um, I, I shared this uh, with... Uh, Nate Robinson and Carlos Boozer, and I'm sharing with you guys, I have to admit I was a little ashamed by this, but I'm also proud. I'm proud that I have the fucking balls to be a true fan. Yeah, you do. 
You do. You stood. You stood there, and uh, you've been and you told the truth. You have reservations about the way the team is ran, and rather than uh, listen to you, they they throw you out of there. <laughs> yeah, they they done it to other actors. I'm not going to name the other actors that have, were put on three year suspensions. Wow. And we're all listen. We're it's a blessing. I'm not complaining. I can buy tickets to go there. I have right. friends that have courtside tickets that have invited me. I'm not fucking going. Yeah. Okay, I've already I made it clear. I'll say it one more time. I'm not going back into Madison Square Garden, whether it's free tickets or I buy them myself. I'm not considering going until Charles Oakley is allowed back in Madison Square Garden. I don't know if I will ever be given free tickets by the Knicks again. It's fine. I'm not missing out on anything. I'd rather see the second string players on an off-Broadway show than watch that fucking team. I'd rather go watch Cats, okay, (laughs) in the Bronx, portrayed by, like, in in an old-age home. Like, the Bronx old-age community is performing Cats. I'd rather go up there and support that than go (laughs) to the Garden. Now, there's nothing against the players, our guy Jared Jack, Porzingis, but I'm not going to be disrespected. And I'm not going to be handcuffed into being a fake fan that's supposed to, you know, cheer and yell and scream when the product sucks. All these fair weather celebrity Knicks fans that show up and smile for the camera like shit is sweet. Shit ain't sweet. Shit hasn't been sweet. Shit wasn't sweet last year. The last time me and Moody were at a Knicks game, me and Moody were having a private conversation right there at courtside. You can hear us. Ten rows up on the other side of the court. You could hear a fucking pin drop in that place. Word. Remember we yeah. went to go see Detroit? Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, the smiling celebrity fans, you're not helping. You're hurting. Exactly. Why don't you don't, don't show up? I guarantee you shit would change. John Stewart, what the fuck is you doing on the sidelines? <laughs> the you're fuck is you doing on the sidelines, John Stewart? You're not watching nothing good. You're holding your head. Like, like, oh, my God, they always lose. Why are you there? And the reason why I even got on this tangent, because the Golden State Warriors, my other favorite team in the NBA, I want to shout these guys out. We didn't mention this when it happened a couple of weeks ago. When they were in Washington to play the Washington Bullets, sorry, I did not mean to do that, the fucking Washington Wizards, shout out to Wes Unseld, Elvin Hayes, the great Earl, the Pearl Monroe, and all the former Washington Bullets. Bobby Dandridge, Greg Ballard. What was my man's name? The big white dude, that goon? Jeff Ruland. I'm the Jeff Ruland of podcasting. What the fuck you want to do? <laughs> Making all kinds of dirty fouls and shit. Yes. Um, while they were in, in Washington to play the Wizards, instead of going to visit the White House, the entire team... The entire team skipped the White House visit. Nobody showed up. They went to the National Museum of African American History and Culture. They took some Washington, D.C. area students with them as their guest, and they didn't show up to see fucking Dick Stane Donald Trump. I fucking love this team. Oh, man. The entire team, the coaches, the players, the ball boys, the trainers, they said, fuck that. We're not going. We're not going, which brings me to the Houston Astros who just went and visited this motherfucker. 
They don't have the balls to take the stance. And this hey, wasn't reported on. very much. I'm going to be honest. I, I kind of missed this. It was not reported very much that the entire Golden State Warriors team skipped that visit. Uh, you know, uh, the press the press will view that as uh, traitors. The American, you, you don't get to visit the American presidency every day. So to do that, it's really, uh, really, look, it looks bad. It looks bad. Yeah, it didn't look bad when Tom Brady didn't go to visit Obama and he was in the eye store buying an iPhone. Remember that shit? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it no one said too. anything about that either. You don't want to go no visit matter, Barack Obama? No matter what, whoever's in there, it looks bad when a citizen doesn't go. Well, so, the entire team didn't go. Well, uh, and Tom Brady looks bad, too, for doing that. And, and you got to put your politics aside, B, and just go hobnob with my man Don and nah, chill out, Nah, I'm not man. fucking with Don, Duke. We're not fucking with Don. The whole team said, we're not fucking with Don, Duke. <laughs> the whole team said that collectively. We're not fucking with Don, Duke. I'm sure there's some uh, Republicans on the team. They're just shaking in their boots. And they didn't go, but I'm sure they got that, that red hat in that locker room. Oh, you mean my, you, you my man David West shaking with yeah. his boots? Yeah. Did David All West smack guys. the David West smack fire out of everybody uh, in the NBA? He, he ain't shaking uh. in his boots. What you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations for the gold to the Golden State Warriors, the entire organization for letting them take the stand without any backlash and all the players. All the coaches and Coach Kerr to have the balls to say, fuck you, Dick Stain Donald Trump. And Houston Astros, you need to check yourself. I want to give a shout out. Yo, it's March Sadness. The tournament is coming up soon. We got my <laughs> man Rex Chapman coming on the podcast. Talk all NCAA. Yo, New York City basketball produced a lot of NCAA stars this March Sadness. Okay. Oh yeah. A whole bunch of them. Okay. Yeah. So I want to give it. There, there's too many to me even name. Like a lot of these guys, I don't know. But there's like 15 dudes that are representing New York and the New York area, Spring Valley, Jersey, all that. Yo, New York basketball is back. Shout out to my Good. guy Donovan Mitchell. Finally, we got we, we we got some uh some help is on the way and some hope is on the horizon because there's a bunch of kids from New York, from Brooklyn, from Harlem. Oh. Oh, I'm with it. Thank, thank. We we had a drought, and now seemingly we're coming back. I like that. The guard from Seton Hall, Carrington, he's nice. From Brooklyn, went to Bishop Lachlan. Whoa. The kid Bamba goes to Texas. He's going to be a top Good. five pick. Muhammad Bamba. Be banging it on people's fucking necks. He's from <laughs> Harlem. Other kid from Arizona, the Brooklyn guard. Alkins, I think, yeah, I saw him play. He's 6'5", cock diesel, defender on Arizona, banging it on people's heads. NYC, back in the place where we belong. Please, we need some good basketball players from New York City. Word. Um, I wanted to hear what you think about this. Now, we've been on the front lines with Odell Beckham. The good, bad, Uh and in between. Okay? When he was whining and carrying on, even though we are... With the big blue giants, we've talked about him. Uh, uh, he, he, you know, when he does his thing, we give him his love. Right. A couple of days ago, Odell Beckham was in a hotel room 
with, I believe, two chicks. One of them's like a quote-unquote Instagram model. And one of the girls stole, like, I think it's three or three to five seconds of videotape. Odell obviously didn't want this to happen while they were in the room. What you see in the videotape is what appears to be Odell Beckham holding some sort of brown cigarette. Some people are saying it might be a marijuana cigarette. And it appears that the girl, one of the girls next to him in the bed, because he's obviously in there freaking off, as he should be. Hell yeah. Thank God it's two chicks. One of the girls, it appears, you can't tell, like she might have had a, 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 a like like some 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 white powder, some of that booger sugar. And right. you know they were in the bed hobnobbing around. The girl stole the footage, and and you know now everybody's up in arms about you know Odell's got to go. It's time to put up or shut up and all that stuff. And I want to say this: as much as I have been a frontline shit talker about Odell, I don't blame him for this. First of all, if this young dude is in the hotel. Smoking a little joint in the offseason, skeeting, skeeting with two pretty uh-huh. young things. He uh-huh. should be able to do that in the privacy of that hotel room and whatever skeet he could accumulate. And I want to tell my man Odell this. Hold your head, okay? Hold your head. This is a lesson learned. You can't trust anybody. Anytime these girls come into the hotel room, yo, you got to take their phones. Word. Or they can't come in. You can't come in. Sorry. Like, yo, a young man, how are we going to develop young stickmen, young coxmen? <laughs> Pat them down. Yo, give me your phone, sweetheart. I'm sorry. We're we, we not doing this. Yeah, I, I guarantee you Od- Odell wasn't doing any of that booger sugar. Yeah. He might have been smoking a joint, but I'm that's sure legal. he's not the only player. In professional sports that smokes weed during the offseason, he's considered the greatest athlete in the NFL. Remember when we had Brandon Marshall on the podcast? He said, I've never seen anything like Odell Beckham before. Me neither. And marijuana is legal. Listen, the marijuana girl even said, one of the girls that was in there even said that he was not doing any of the drugs. So, case closed. I know everybody's freaking out about it. You know, he got injured. He's complained. He's been called a distraction. Yo, this is not Odell Beckham's fault. He should be able to freak off and skeet off in the privacy of a hotel room. And if the girl wants to do some sucker shit, like record him in there, I, I, this is not on Odell. Oh, oh, it is on Odell for allowing the tape, for allowing the recording. Once she pull out the phone, you, you throw the blunt down. You be like, yo. None of that. Yeah, what the fuck is you doing? And kick them right. out. Like, yo, and, you got to go. I don't care how bad you are, how pretty you are. I don't care if we're trying to menage, whatever that. The party's end, over. End of, yeah, after that, after the phone come out, boom, it's over. Well, but, it looks like he doesn't see the phone. Like, apparently she snuck the video. It looks like some oh. real snuck video sucker shit. Oh, but, but, but check it, Rap. The guy is not on the field. He's not in the huddle. He's in the privacy. I think he's in Amsterdam. He's in the privacy of the telly. Oh, wait. Listen, he's in Amsterdam where this is happening? I'm not sure because, of course, we don't fact check. Yes. But I think I heard Colin Coward say something about Amsterdam. Oh, well, then this so, is a non-case. If you're in Amsterdam, of course right. you're smoking weed. Of course. So leave this guy alone. He's not on the field. He's, he, he's on his own time. He's a man. And Lawrence Taylor was the greatest giant. 
He won the MVP as a full-fledged crackhead. Yes, that's a fact. So, leave this guy alone. He, it's, it's not hindering his play. Yes. Let that man do what he want and give him his money. And Odell, catch the fucking football. Catch the fucking ball. And maybe it's time to get rid of the blonde. And I love Odell. I just saw Odell at the Snoop Doggy Dog game during All-Star Weekend. I love Odell. I fuck yes. with him hard. I think he's ready to take the next step to be that dude. Catch yes. the fucking ball, and maybe it's time to get rid of the curly locks because you know what you've caused, Odell? You look great with it. Not many people can pull that shit off. But what yep. you've caused is there's so many other people, namely younger kids and teenagers, that have copied this look, and they look fucking ridiculous. You Absolutely. look great on it. You're catching yeah. the ball with one hand. You're Odell Beckham. You could pull that shit off. But it's like a bunch of kids walking around with one glove during the Michael Jackson era. They look fucking dumb. I was one Absolutely. of those people. I Absolutely. used to walk around with one glove. I looked fucking ridiculous. Yes. I, I, I know what you're talking about. I see it on the NCAA in basketball. Guys got fucking mops on their head, and it's based on him. Mops. You see, I mean, it used to be you used to try to keep it neat. Now it's like just let it grow let it nap out. Yo, cut your shit. Cut B. your shit. You look fucking nuts. Listen, Odell, you have to cut your shit for the culture. Because <laughs> you got a lot of people trying to emulate your style, trying to steal your style, and they look yeah. ridiculous. Not everybody can pull that shit off, man. Catch the ball and cut your shit. I'll say it again. Catch the ball and cut your shit. All right, <laughs> listen. Everybody knew it was coming. <laughs> so I told you at the top of the show we were going to get into this so we're not going to recap all the bullshit that's happened with sports we already been down that road we're not mentioning corny ass cracker ass sports <laughs> we're not getting into this rough and rowdy fighting we're not getting into the fact that KFC has the face we're not getting into any of that shit but during the now infamous sports gangbang podcast episode, and it is infamous, people from all across the globe, all across the world, listen to it, quote it. I have people quoting that shit to me on the street. That is a motherfucking fact. A 45-minute <laughs> freestyle. Freestyle. Non-fact check, non-scripted. That's like Picasso's Guernica. You know, you know that yeah, painting? You, that, that's, what uh -huh. that, that's what that podcast is like. A 45-minute freestyle. The gangbang. That's right. But one of the things we did mention when that whole thing went down with them and these corny motherfuckers started selling those corny ass, not butter soft, heavyweight, <laughs> Can't wash them one time because they'll shrink the fuck up on your t-shirts that it should try to defame my name and the game. Have me looking like a clown with herpes. We've been over all that shit. Uh-huh. One of the things we mentioned in that podcast episode was Johnny fucking Manziel. We're just going to uh. call you Rudy Manziel, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. We, we calling you Rudy. We not Rudy. calling you motherfucking Johnny Manziel. You're Rudy, Duke. All right. Drag his ass into that synagogue, rap. I got it. I got it. I appreciate it. 
We said that this motherfucker, when that motherfucker with the bleached asshole, as soon as mm-hmm. he started talking about selling T-shirts with my name on it, the what, like literally one of the first five or six people that jumped in on it was Rudy Manziel, the cluckhead. Yeah. yeah, he was on Twitter like I need one of those. Word. This was I just, saw it. This was, we saw it. The tweet was I saw it. He was on there. He was on there stirring the pot. So, of course, if Cluckhead Johnny is on there, other people are like, ooh, I want to get one too. You adding fuel to the fire. I don't know this Cluckhead. Uh-huh. I never met this Cluckhead. I've never That's- spoken disparagingly about this Cluckhead. I've even defended him when Moody was talking shit about him when he was playing with the Browns. That's for sure. Okay, on this very here podcast, until I found out that he was grabbing chicks in the car, okay, look it up, money was money had a little something going on in the car, grabbing chicks, snuffed the chick, all that, I still never said anything, I never talked shit about him, I, I, just, I just didn't care, I never said anything bad about this motherfucker, I don't know about him, I don't, I don't give a fuck about him, I knew this wasn't some flag football college shit. Yeah. And I know this ain't a movie, Duke. As much as I love Rocky, this ain't a motherfucking movie, Duke. Mm-hmm. This ain't a motherfucking movie, okay? You know how Jay-Z says, it's a motherfucking movie. This ain't a motherfucking movie. This is reality. Right. They gassed him in college. They gassed you in college. Okay? And I'm going to get to all your shit because I'm about to drag this clown. You bum-ass motherfucker. You trying to get a t-shirt. With me depicted as a clown with herpes, you bitch-ass trick. Uh. So apparently he got his motherfucking t-shirt from bum-ass and he posted a picture of it in his Instagram stories. Well, lo and behold, we got eyes everywhere. I saw it. The I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast has eyes everywhere. And I can't remember the name of the dude that sent me the picture first. He sent it to me on Instagram in the DMs, and he said, get him, rap. And then a couple other people sent it to me and be like, yo, rap. So, of course, I did it. And I did a little something on Instagram. I did a little something on Twitter. All right? And I dragged this little motherfucker with my little 60-second rants. And I said this on Twitter and on Instagram. Miles Jordan, play that shit. Johnny Manziel. Johnny Cokehead. Johnny Pill Pop. Johnny Bath Salt. You trying to pop shit to me, motherfucker? Save your little good old boy apology act for somebody else, motherfucker. This ain't Good Morning America. You jack-faking motherfucker with the Bobby Brown jaw. You 25, you look 46 with a motherfucking Bobby Brown jaw. You coke-sniffing motherfucker. Talking about you bipolar, fake phony motherfucker. When you sniff as much booger sugar as you've sniffed, it fucks up your brain chemistry. Your shit's all fucked up. You ain't bipolar. Your shit's just fucked up. You copping feelings now, right? Johnny Tide Pellet Challenge, right? You're trying to manipulate the situation just like you're trying to manipulate the situation so you get another chance in the NFL. Motherfucker, you ain't playing in the NFL. Get yourself some thermals and a sleeping bag and get ready to go to Canada. All right? I did that. Called him Cluckhead uh-huh. with the Bobby Brown jaw and all that. And then this little fuckboy who was just three weeks ago on Good Morning America talking in the real, you know, he was he was enunciating his words. Yeah. 
He yeah, was a good absolutely. old boy. He was enunciating his words and saying everything real clearly. And he never mentioned that he's a drug addict. And he never mentioned <laughs> that he's a cluckhead. And he never mentioned that he likes to smack chicks around. He never mentioned any of that. But he did mention that he was diagnosed as being bipolar. Although when he asked, when he was asked when that diagnosis was, he said it was about last June or July. When the fuck was it, Duke? Uh-huh. Anybody could get a diagnosis of saying that shit. Motherfucker, your parents are billionaires. Nonetheless, after I did my video, this corny cluckhead motherfucker, this, this glass dick pipe smoking motherfucker sent a tweet out saying, that's cool, man. You can make fun of AA, mental health, whatever helps you sleep at night. I'm doing what I have to do not to be an asshole anymore. You should try it. Life's better on this side. This side, motherfucker, is you high right now? <laughs> You're not the face of the mental health community. The mental health right. community doesn't want you speaking on their behalf. It's called AA. I didn't mention AA. Alcoholics Anonymous. You broke the first motherfucking code. It's supposed to be mm. anonymous, motherfucker. When was the last time you was at a motherfucking meeting? You shouldn't have been posting pictures with my face on it trying to defame me since you're trying to move forward in your life. Word. Since you're on Good Morning America saying, I'm trying to move forward, I'm a better person. You ain't a better person, Duke. You're trying to pop shit to me, the gringo man, Dingo? You corny motherfucker. You're on Good Morning America enunciating all your words. <laughs> that ain't gonna get you in the league. That ain't gonna get you in the league, slowpoke, you fucking midget. This ain't Rudy, motherfucker. You ain't getting carried off the field. The next time you getting carried, it'll be out of a club in Vegas, motherfucker, in another blackout episode. Miles Jordan. Give me that Willie Hutch. God oh. damn. Give me that motherfucking Willie. Oh, I just got started, G. I, I didn't even start the music. Drag him into the synagogue. I'm in there with you. You hear that, Willie? Let that Willie play. You cluckhead. I'm going to share with only the listeners of the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. A lot of people asked me, oh, what's a cluckhead? Cluckhead is a motherfucking crackhead. You ever see Jungle Fever? Samuel Jackson? Like Gator? That's what this motherfucker is. A motherfucking crackhead. Motherfucker uh -huh. loves that meow meow. Them black beauties. Them study buddies. That sniff, that sneeze, that nose candy. Mm -hmm. the, the neighborhood cluck. Johnny Fuckup loves that orange crush, that Tina, them beans, that motherfucking clarity. This is the poster child of all things sports. They love. A little shit-talking white boy with his little bullshit. You know his little money sign? Yeah, I saw that. None of that shit is original. I'm going to tell you something right now, Johnny Jerkoff. I'm going to tell you something right now, 12-step Johnny. You ain't getting back into the NFL. You played yourself, Duke. I'm a motherfucking <laughs> professional shit-talker. You're on Twitter. Talking shit to me when you should be doing charity work with no motherfucking cameras around. You're talking shit on Saturday and yeah. Sunday. You know what Saturday are for, motherfucker? Saturday is for the 12-step meetings, not for Twitter. If you was trying to turn your motherfucking life around, you cluckhead-ass motherfucker, you. You wouldn't even have a Twitter account. Word. You're fucking talking to Diane Sawyer 
uh, fucking uh, oh, good morning. What the fuck, man? Stop fucking with us, man. You're talking all kinds of shit to me? The MVP of talking trash? Tom Coughlin ain't fucking with you, Duke. Bill Belichick ain't fucking with you, Duke. I'm letting you know the Raiders, Gruden, they not fucking with you. The Giants, the Jets, none of them are fucking with you. You ain't NFL ready. To quote Word. the great Tiffany Haddish, uh, he ain't ready. Uh-huh. Oh, he ain't ready. You ain't ready. You on Twitter trying to pop shit to me. Then this corny motherfucker. That's right. And the Jets, we need a quarterback. And you ain't fast. They gassed you. You Can you imagine this pill-popping motherfucker in New York City? This motherfucker will be under a table somewhere sniffing vacuum cleaner. You can't have this motherfucker in New York. He be in Hunts Point selling his ass. You have, yo, you bring back prostitution to Hunts Point. We're trying to gentrify Hunts Point. We don't need former Heisman trophies up there selling their ass. Oh, man. This motherfucker talking about, you could come polish my Heisman. Duke, you ain't got the motherfucking Heisman no more. You smoked the motherfucking Heisman. Word. You smoked the motherfucking Next time I see you, I want to see you do the dance like Samuel Jackson did in Jungle Fever, motherfucker. You ain't got your Heisman. And if you do ever get your Heisman back by some way, some chance, you need to give that shit to my main man, Big Mike Evans. Because if Big Mike Evans wasn't rocking with you at Texas A&M, you'd have never gotten that motherfucking Heisman. Great white cluckhead. Great white hype. You too slow, Duke. (laughs) I know what it's like, Johnny. Jonathan, I know what it's like to be slow. Trust me. (laughs) Trust me. You made it a little bit farther than me. I know what it's like to be slow. I know what it's like to be chased down. I had it happen to me my whole fucking life. Richard Sherman and them ain't going for that bullshit. Nah, 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 no. He got to the NFL and them big them big black people just, they faster than you. <laughs> Josh Norman and them ain't going for that bullshit. Don't let Keith Jackson, the late great Keith Jackson, gas you, man. He gassed you. You're not fast, B. This is the NFL, man. Mike Vick is fast. You're not going to be able to run away from motherfucking Honey Badger and them? Nah. You get your motherfucking head knocked off, dude. You're not running away from LaShawn Sims and these motherfuckers. Daryl Worley and these motherfuckers, man. Nah. You're not running away from these dudes, man. James nah. Harrison will fuck you in your ass on the field, dude. <laughs> He's 40. Damn. You can't get away from motherfucking Debo. And you doing crack talking hey, hey, about you doing this. crack talking shit Come on, to man. me. Just Come on, weeks man. After you was Come on, on Good son. Morning America trying to pull the good old boy wool over the country's eyes. Yeah. Strahan, no. Strahan, no. You didn't go to see Strahan. You can't look Mike Strahan in the face. He knows what the fuck is going on with you. I'm going to tell you something right now, clown. Eat three dicks if you didn't smoke them first, motherfucker. You got a sleeve full of tattoos, I guarantee you. You can't recall where you got any of them shits from because you got them shits during blackouts in Tampa Bay. Mm. You ain't the voice of the mental health community. You ain't the voice of Alcoholics Anonymous, Johnny. Yeah. You're only as sick as your motherfucking secrets. I'm coming at you chest naked, Johnny Yo-Yo. I got my motherfucking shirt off talking shit to you. You got the Bobby Brown jaw. Son, you already ripped him. 
Like now Red fuck Man that. say. You're only as sick as your secrets, Duke. <laughs> like Red Man say, you, you, you said enough, La. That's it, La. You ain't got to say no more, La. <laughs> I'm going to tell you one more time, stay off that motherfucking meow meow, Duke. That shit ain't for you. This motherfucker be sniffing kitty litter trying to pop shit to me? Oh, man. I'm a professional, Duke. I don't think you're employed right now. I'm a professional shit talker. And you'll see that the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, the bad boys of podcast, and me, the Jake LaMotta of podcast, you'll never be as good as me, motherfucker. You're going to regret Ever trying to pop shit to me? He started. You, I'm gonna be very clear one more time. He started it. I saw it. You started, started the shit. I ended this shit. Your homeboy, some cornball motherfucker named Mike Stud, talking about you slapped the shit out of me. This motherfucker, some bullshit white rapper, kind of bullshit white rapper that makes you appreciate how whack Vanilla Ice was. Motherfucker, you make <laughs> Vanilla Ice look like Melly Mel. You ain't smacking Jack. Shit. This motherfuckers talk all this Twitter shit. Your whole crew is clowns. If your crew gave a fuck about you, they'd have told you stay the fuck off Twitter. Mm-hmm. He started it. I you saw You started it. it. And this has yeah. another people like, you're going after a guy who's trying to do right. If he was trying to do right, he wouldn't be trying to bring the next man down like me. If he was trying to do right, he wouldn't be purchasing t-shirts trying to defame the next man. You ain't doing right. Word. You, you ain't fooling nobody over here, Duke. And it was like, oh, he's just a kid. Well, again, just like these young rapping motherfuckers, you're just a kid. I don't have to parent you, motherfucker. Yeah. I'm not your, I'm not your motherfucking father. Your billionaire oil digging father, he obviously didn't raise you right. So you're gonna learn a lesson from me. When you out the fucking league, you gonna regret ever trying to talk shit to me. Some people say that's harsh. I say fuck that. You getting on Twitter trying to pop shit, trying to defame me? Fuck you, money. You he, ain't he ready. Yeah, he started. He started it. So now we got to finish it. You finished it. Fuck him. Don't say no more, rap. You already finished him. Drag him out the synagogue now. Fuck you, buddy. <laughs> slow ass motherfucker. Slow poke motherfucker. Right. Rocky six ass motherfucker. This ain't That's rude. their hero. That's their hero. That's Rich, their fucking Rich, hero. All these Richie, oh. Richie Incognito and Johnny Manziel. That's their hero. They love. That's the favorite athletes in sports. They ain't shit, dude. Do the math. Richie Incognito and Johnny fucking football. Everybody's like, leave him alone. He's trying to do good. I don't even know this motherfucker. You're trying to disrespect me, and you think you're not going to get it from the MVP of talking trash? Get the fuck out of here, dude. Yeah, come on, man. Come on. That's against New York code. You start it, we finish it, B. You, you, need, you need to look motherfuckers like me up, cornball. Look me the fuck up. You know who the fuck I am now. You didn't know before. You thought shit was sweet. Yeah. I'm from New York City, country boy. We invented all this fly shit, country boy. Corny motherfucker. Yeah, that hip-hop shit. All that hip-hop all culture. All that fly shit that you trying to do, we invented all that shit. Hip-hop culture is New York City culture, B. Don't ever try to front on us, man. Don't ever. Try to First, talk get slick. It. Get in the league and try to make a splash before you talk shit, man. Talking out the side of your motherfucking Bobby Brown jaw to me. Fuck out of here, corny ass motherfucker. Cause scribble scrabble tattoos on his whole body. I guarantee he's like, I don't know where I got this. I got this in Vegas uh, in 2017. I, I was on a bender for three days. Should be ashamed of yourself. Talking shit on Twitter to me. Fucking bum. 
Let me get some funk. Let me get some shit, Miles. Yeah, let's get something. All right, there it go right there. There it go. That's it right there. That's it. Always. Um, yo, all the Buttersoft I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast t-shirts are back. Okay? The motherfucking Buttersoft t-shirts are back. You can get all the t-shirts at districtlines.com forward slash I am Rappaport. We got the brand new Buttersoft Disruptive Behavior t-shirt, the Gringo Man Dingo t-shirt, the OG Emblem t-shirt, the Hard Body Karate t-shirt, the King of New York t-shirt, the Jake LaMotta Buttersoft t-shirt, the Full Iverson t-shirt, the Stickman collection, all of it. Districtlines.com forward slash I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. We got shit on sale. And I'll tell you one thing, no matter what you buy, we're not selling any bullshit that's going to shrink up on you. The more you wear it, the softer it gets. Yeah. We love the fans. Love give the them, fans. Give them value. Trying to trick these fucking guys. Yeah, that's the sucker shit he said to you. Oh, we don't have to do that. That's the type of shit they, they wit, man. Motherfucker wearing corny ass, hard ass t-shirts. When you wear a t-shirt, you want the shit to be butter soft. You want to be comfortable. You want the shit to feel like a piece of wilted cardboard on you. Yeah. Try to cheat the motherfucking fans. I don't even know what to, you know, I ain't even doing no sick fucks of the week, Moody. Yeah, man. <laughs> I told you we got America's last line of defense from Jersey. My man Tim Howard. One of the greatest goaltenders in soccer history comes from oh, Dirty yeah. Jers. Tim Howard is bad, man. Um, Tim Howard's a bad motherfucker, man. He's talking all kinds of shit. The hip-hop head, tatted up head to bottom. He's played soccer all over the world. Talking about what it was like as a black man. He's a black man playing overseas, playing goaltender for Manchester United, not making the World Cup, his top five MCs, and so much more. The most beautiful chicks in the world. He's seen mm. it all. The dude has played soccer all over the world. He's, a, he's a, like an international star. From New Jersey, let's get into it with my guy, the great Tim Howard, the last line of defense. New Jerusalem. All right. I'm here with the, the last line of defense. Yes. The United States... Last line of defense yep. from Jersey, Dirty Jersey. Dirty Jersey. Is in the house. I didn't know you're from Jersey. The goalkeeper of the United States of America. Mm. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. Tim Howard, I am Rapport Stereo Podcast, who's rocking the Tribe Called Quest hat. And uh, just the fact you're from Jersey, I got a whole new, like, <laughs> how you doing, man? I'm good. I got Jersey tattooed all over me, Biggie, so Tribe, yeah. That's dope. That's mm-hmm. dope. So, so you, you know, it's crazy because I'm not even the average soccer fan. Right. You know, like, I know you because I watch the big games yeah. sometimes, you know, but like the Olympics and the World Cup games, mm-hmm. and you're like, you're always the fucking dude. And then, you know, a, a, a black American dude, you know, representing goal, you know, the goalie yeah. who's tatted up, you're like, what the fuck? So, you know, you always stuck out, and you were always like, just based on the little bit of no, that I know about soccer, is like... You know, like that one game where you had all the mm. saves. Was that was that the World Cup? The World Cup against Belgium, yeah. And you guys lost. We lost, unfortunately, yeah. And you had like how many saves? 16 or something like that. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. You're like a, an athletic-looking dude. Yeah. 
did what other sports did you play growing up? Basketball. Okay, yeah, play hoops and soccer. That was it. And and how good of a basketball player were you at your very best? <sighs> I, <laughs> I like humbly. I mean, you yeah, could say yeah, you're, you I, know, I, it's like you you know this time you listen to the podcast. We talk shit, but like course, you, you could you could play ball. I, I could play ball. Um, definitely could have played. Definitely could have played D one. And I look around the league now with some of these guys. I could be that. I could be that twelfth man. Are you serious? So you could play. I, I used to be able to play. I'm old now. Right. Yeah. I, I, listen, I understand the game. I understand how teams work. I know. I know the concepts. Um, yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay. And where did you go to high school? North Brunswick Township. And you played ball for them. Yep. And when did you start playing soccer? Like, how did you wind up playing soccer? Because, you know, the question, the obligatory question sure. that I'm going to get to eventually is like, why, with all the athletes that we have. You know, is the United States not, you know, not great. But I want to get to that later. So how did you wind up playing soccer? If you played ball, you're in Jersey. It's yeah, such yeah. a, I mean, Jersey's a little bit more, it has suburbs and it's urban. Like if people don't know it, there's, you know, it switches up quickly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I think New York City, the reason why we don't play soccer, there's no, there's no, like, no, now there's a soccer field. Right, I got There's you. a couple yeah, of soccer yeah. fields. But tell me how you wind up playing soccer. Well, hoops was, that you know, that was my first love affair and it always has been. I love basketball. That's it. But Soccer. I was just a kid, man. I was six years old. Mom put me in soccer. Just, just loved it. Just played it. There was nothing, nothing really to it, other than the fact I was just a wild kid and running around and having fun. And then it got to the point where I, I was in high school and I was balancing the two. And I was like, yo, the, the likelihood of me going professional in basketball is slim. In soccer, I could do it tomorrow. So I did it. Can you play soccer other than play goalie? Like, can you be <laughs> yeah, a prof- yeah, yeah. can you be a high end goalie and not be good at soccer? Uh, Do you know what I'm saying? I think so. I think I know what you're saying. Yeah, I think there are some goals. The the trend has shifted. You got to really be good with your feet now in today's day and age. But it used to be, yeah, you could be overweight and just diving around, saving balls. You didn't have to be a good soccer player, but now you have to be. You have to be a good soccer player. Yeah. But so so you can play competitive soccer, but obviously you're a goalie, right? And what? How did you wind up being New Jersey? To what's the progression from playing in Jersey, being really good in high school? to representing the country? Like, what is the sort of, like, progression of that? Well, there's a senior national team. Which is how old? Which is, that's that's the full men's national team, which is World Cup. You could be any age, as, okay. long, as, as long as you're good enough. Usually, you don't crack that until you're about 18. Okay. At, at, the, at the youngest. And then it, it just, it slowly goes goes down. You, there's a under-17 national team, under-15, under-20. You know, it goes all the way down. So they build you up. You know, they, they identify you as a good player. They develop you. They work with you. And then ultimately... Um, if you're good enough, you play for the men's national team. And what was, did you play college? I didn't. I came straight out of high school. You played straight out of high school and yeah. went to where? At the time, it was the New York Metro Stars. They're, they're, they were bought by Red Bull. So they're now Red Bulls. And how old were you? I was eight, 18. And you started playing goalie professionally. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's a little crazy. And, and, but that's just um, in the United States. Yeah. And when was the first time soccer took you from Jersey to out of the country? Yeah, so I, 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 listen, I, I've been traveling out of the country since I was since I was probably 13 on different youth teams. But I signed for Manchester United when I was 23. So that was in that was in like 2003 maybe. And uh, I've been there for 13 years. So, I, yeah, I played in New York for five years. And Manchester United, you know, you could fill me in and just remind the people, that's a sim- similar to the Lakers, the mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys mm-hmm. of professional soccer? Yeah. yeah, they're the top one or two teams in the world from a recognizable standpoint. Jersey sales, television, all that stuff. People know Manchester United. They identify with it. And what is it like being the goalie for 
Manchester United. Like, <laughs> what is that? Yeah, it was crazy. I, I tell people all the time, I was like traveling with the Beals. Like, I, I was from New Jersey. I signed in Manchester, and I was like, man, they had they had world stars. People went crazy for them. So um, it was tough. I, I only spent three seasons there, and then I was I was on my way out because it, it, it was hard. I was young, you know, I was still learning. Um, but it was it was good. I mean, in terms of an experience, man, nothing like it. And what is it like? You're 23. You're part of essentially not just the Beatles of the United States. Fuck the Miami Heat. They call them the Miami Heatles. You're part of a worldwide. Like these are stars. Yeah, yeah. Like who who are the stars on that team that that we might know? Mm. And what was that like as a 23 year old kid? Mm. You know, like what are you seeing? What are you doing? Sure. You're going to clubs. Like what is your life like? Yeah, the 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 biggest name we had at the time was Cristiano Ronaldo. He was a young player. We signed him at Manchester United. Um, you know, we had we had Wayne Rooney on the team, who's who's a captain of England. It's another it's another world. It's 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 another lifestyle. You you go out, people fall at your feet. You can do anything you want, and um, you know, as a, as a twenty three year old, that's that's hard to grasp. You know, you're right. trying to trying to find your way in the world, and, you, and money and fame, and how does this work? And I got to go to work and work hard and do all those things. It's, it's not an easy balance. And like Christian, Cristiano Ronaldo, he's like worldwide star. Yeah. So when he when he's a young guy, I mean, he's like a worldwide. He's a stickman. Yeah. He's one of the world class stickmen of all time. Yes, yes. So people, men, women, and children, it's like the the biggest star in the world with yes. him. Women are dropping like it's the Beatles. Yes, correct. They're they're peeing in their pants. <laughs> like that. I watched the Rolling Stones documentary, and they said that women would actually fucking piss themselves. <laughs> now I'm saying you can't verify that, but like he's that. And so where are you traveling around the world? With, with where does a Manchester United play? We play all over England. Obviously, preseason takes us to America and to Hong Kong, all over Asia, basically everywhere. South Africa, it doesn't matter. We're there as a Manchester United player. You're a world star the second you pull that shirt on. What is the like the the um, the places that you remember? I mean, obviously, you've been you your passport is yeah. stamped. Stamp. You've had new passports. Yes. What uh, parts of the world as a kid were you like most sort of like? I can't believe I'm here. Mm. Still to this day, Hong Kong blows me away. What know? is it like playing soccer over there? Man, it's like what you see in the movies. It's crazy. People just they they flock to see, you know, the Manchester United gets off the plane. The airport's packed. The stadiums are packed. You can't walk outside the hotel. You know, it's madness. They want they want a, a piece of you. Uh, where would you? Are you married? No. Single. Okay, you're not married. Okay, so <laughs> you've been around the world many times. With Manchester United. Now, just as a, just as a, like, we're not getting too much uh, detail. In terms of worldwide beauty, what would you say is the country or city that you've mm. been to? Have you been to Brazil? Been to Brazil, yeah. You Wasn't the World Cup in World Brazil? World Cup was in Brazil, yeah. So you were there for, like, you weren't just in and out. You've been to Brazil many times. Yeah, yeah. You've been, been to fucking Australia, yeah, yeah. Norway, yeah. Sweden, France. You did the whole, the whole, pl- Russia. Yeah. You've seen the whole world. Yeah. So, okay, I can't even, you can't even say one. What city or country would you say, just aesthetically, were the most beautiful women? Milan, hands down. Ah. Italy, the, the class and the beauty, it's unmatched anywhere else. And what city would you say, like, when you get there, I got to get some food? Like, where you're mm-hmm. like, the fucking food. <laughs> Jersey. <laughs> Are you looking for, like, a fucking a hoagie? Taylor ham, egg, and cheese. <laughs> yeah, that's That's... I never get to eat it anymore, but mm. and I'm rarely back in Jersey. But man, waking up in the morning, glass of orange juice, forget it. I, I hear. You. So, where do you live now? 
I live. I live in Denver. I live in playing Denver because you're playing for Denver. Yeah. When you finally finish, uh, uh, I mean, since you've been all over the world sure. and you you sort of sure. have an understanding of even a brief understanding of the cultures all over the world. Yeah. When you finally finish playing soccer, where would you want to live? My kids are in Memphis, so I'll, I'll be I'll be living in Memphis. I'm uh, that's home now, so I'm back and forth there all the time. I got a place in Florida, so love being by the beach. Who knows? But it'll be Memphis for a little while. Okay. So, yeah. All right. That makes sense. That's yeah. crazy. You're like Milan. I know. <laughs> All right. And, and since you said Milan is the most beautiful, I've never been to Brazil. Can you just give me some insight to what the women look like in Brazil? Like, is everybody, like, if you go to, like, uh, like to get your mail, is Jennifer Lopez there? Nah. nah Jennifer not. Lopez isn't the woman at the, at the place, at the mail no, place. No, no, no. But there are some beautiful women. Very, yeah, very, very beautiful. What is the top three oh shit moments of your career where you're standing there like the fucking crowd is crazy you've walked in the olympics i mean you've yeah, yeah. seen like what would you say like when you when you look back not even on the field just like i can't believe i'm playing soccer and it's brought me here or like this moment like yeah, what would yeah. be some of the moments that you that you remember uh, definitely the first time i played for manchester united walking out at old trafford which is their stadium it's like it's world renowned and and to be a 23 year old there starting goalkeeper you know, I never expected it. So that that was that was definitely no shit moment. How many people are are there? Seventy five thousand for um, every game. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. an equation like if Manchester United is playing the Utah Jazz, seventy five thousand. Yeah. Oh yeah. If Manchester United is playing the Orlando Magic, seventy five thousand. Every time it home. doesn't matter. It who's doesn't co- matter. It doesn't matter. Nope. And how frenzied are the crowds? Yeah, crazy. It, it's crazy. It's it's literally. Soccer fans aren't like aren't just fans of like the game. They want to win, but they're fanatical. There have been times where they've been hooligans and they get get a bad reputation. But they are literally there as part of the fabric of the stadium. It's not just like ah, hopefully we win today. They want to win. If they don't win. They're they're outside rocking the bus, throwing things, even at their own team. And so it is fanaticism at its finest. All right, give me your other moments where you just like. Yeah, you know when the USA plays Mexico at, at their stadium in uh, in Mexico City, Azteca, it's there's a there's a the altitude is outrageous. There's a hundred hundred and ten thousand people there. It's a it's a huge rivalry. So for me, we actually won there. I I, I played for the US team it was the it was the only time we've ever won there. Um, and so kind of we kind of got 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 that off our back. So it was good. I mean, it's a crazy moment, but it's special. And and when you say the altitude, can you feel it? Shh. It's what I mean. I, I play and live in Denver, and it's it's two times. It, it's crazy. It's crazy. Can't breathe. And they're like, it's a fucking, it's a nut house. There. Oh yeah, they're throwing things at you that you shouldn't throw at other human beings, man. It's it's crazy. The it's, fans are. Fans are. Yeah. And are you like, okay, give me your third moment because then I want to get to the hooligans and the fans and, and, <laughs> and all that shit. Because if you don't follow it that much, you see all that. Like if you watch HBO Real Sports, yeah. Yeah. you see all this wild shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what would be the other moment where you were like? What the fuck? Yeah, well, it was funny. We were in South Africa for the World Cup, and they had these they have these horns called vuvuzela. They're vuvuzelas, and they're just these horns that make this awful noise, and they handed them out to everybody in the stadium. So you got like 50,000, 60,000 people. Like networks were complaining because the fans at home couldn't hear, and it was, it was a crazy moment. And so that, that really stood out for, for that World Cup. People were talking about these vuvuzelas. The stadium is just rocking uh, and rolling. It's, just, it's literally buzzing with 70,000 people blowing these horns. All right, now, you mentioned these hooligans. Yeah. You mentioned... What have you seen? What's the reality of these fights? I mean, I think it's terrible. Like when when some like you know that guy got beat up at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I talk my shit, but it's like I ain't got nothing to do with any of this. Right, like right, I'm right. not getting to a fucking fight. Nah. I'm not arguing with it. But these dudes, like literally, deaths have happened. I mean, yeah. 
riots. Uh, you, you, they're throwing shit. You're like, what is the reality of that? And what's the craziest shit you've ever been in? Well, you know, uh, they try to stamp that out around the world because obviously it's not a great thing, right? But man, some of these fan groups, they're just, and they've done documentaries on them. They're just, they're just rolling up to the stadium, you know, in the game secondary. They, they've already got, they've already got a fight to throw down, and they're they're in the park. They just got out of the pub, had a few beers, and they're ready to throw down, and it gets ugly, you know. And and, and the police have done everything they can in these foreign countries to stop it. But man, there's always ways around it if you if you want to get into it, and so it's scary. And have you been on the field where like these things have happened? Oh yeah, there's always man. There's, soccer's crazy. There's always fights in the stands, and they try and you know when you go to these foreign countries, they try and put police between the two sections, and they want to fight. Like so, countries want to fight each other. Oh yeah, teams. I mean, club teams in the same country. You know what I mean? So it doesn't even have to be country versus country. It's team versus team. So yeah, it gets ugly, man. Well, what's the craziest shit you've ever seen? Like in terms of like, what's the one that have you ever been to one of these games where like? It really got out of hand. I've been to a few. I've, I've obviously been on the field, not not in the state and not in the stands. But yeah, you look up and you you see people getting escorted out, throwing punches, coming over the top of people. So yeah, it gets ugly. When that happens, does the game stop? No, no. Game, you game, just keep playing. Yeah, game keeps going, man. It's just it's just second nature, you know. In, in a lot of these foreign countries, this crazy stuff happens. And what about some of these games that they've uh, uh, eliminated crowds all yeah. altogether because yeah. of this. Yeah, a lot of times it's it, it's now become because of because of racism, um, you know, and so that's that's kind of the sanctions for for fans who who chant racist chants, which is no there's no room in the world for that, you know. Um, obviously, if there's some crowd trouble in terms of physical violence, um, people will will you know get sanctions put on them and have to play in empty stadiums. But more more than anything, that's been for racism and good on them, man. Ra- racism sucks, man. Racist people suck. So being a black dude, like I, I'm referencing HBO Real Sports because yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen, like, yeah. they, they covered this. Yeah. They've covered a lot of stuff. Sure. And I actually have never missed an episode of that show. Shout out to my man, Brian Gumbel. All right. But what is race in regards to soccer yeah. from your point of view? You're from Jersey. Race mm-hmm. in America is one thing. Sure. What is being a black goaltender representing Manchester United, uh, representing the United States, what have you seen and, and how has that sort of altered and opens your mind to what's what's real in the world. Well, here's what I'll say about racism: it is unfortunately, it's alive and well in the world, and it sucks. And that trickles over into you know, if, if in everyday life some person or persons are racist, that's going to spill over into their into how they feel about sports and, and individuals who play sports too. And you know, I think we got it wrong. I think there was a, a one point. Um, you know, the powers that be in FIFA were saying, "No, you have a job to do. You keep playing. We'll deal with it." And I said, "The hell, the hell with that." Like I've told. My own team, like, if there's racist chance, we're walking off the field. There's no way we'd subject ourselves to that. That's crazy. You know what I mean? So um, I think you got to take a strong stance on it. Uh, I don't think that the sanctions are strong enough, but I guess we'll get there. So you've been on the field and the stands are chanting shit. Not to me personally, um, but I've had, I've had, I've been on the field where some of my teammates, black teammates, they've had monkey chants, you know, thrown their way. I've seen on TV where... People will throw bananas on the field at black players, and it's crazy, man. It's, like it, it, it doesn't happen in any other sport, you know. And so that's fucking. I, I mean, I've seen it's it too. Bizarre. It's, it's bizarre. It's crazy. For me, it's like it's it's crazy. But I'm like, in a way, it's almost like it's good that they're doing that to show remind that like oh, yeah. shit ain't sweet. Yeah, we've 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 come we've come a long way, but we've not come that far. Yeah. And when you say the sanctions, when FIFA and, and the, the leagues take sanctions, what does that mean? Don't like. Like what does that mean? Yeah, you know, sometimes they'll they'll make you play without any fans, or they'll find the club a certain amount of money. 
You know, if they can't control the fans. If there's racist chance reported and, and racism reported in the stadium, yeah. Um, the United States, we have the greatest athletes in the world collectively. Yeah. We got every sport. Yeah. Why can't the United States get it together with soccer? You know, Bill Simmons, mm-hmm. he did this this in his basketball. He did this like sort of like, you know, what if this basketball player sure, sure, sure. did you you know was yeah. a, was a was a soccer player? Why can't the United States get it together with soccer? Well, I think I think there's a disconnect. I mean, the youth soccer, you know, the number of the num- number of young people playing youth soccer is higher than any other sport in America. Um, and at some point, there's a disconnect. And I and I think I think what happens is when you grow up, when I grew up in the in the mid '90s. All of the people I see on TV, all the superstars on, on the Gatorade commercials and on the highlight reels, they're all um, basketball players or football players and or baseball players, and we don't have a lot of our athletes in the mainstream. And I think what ends I think what ends up happening is, you know, we all want heroes. We all want someone that we, I want to look like that person. I want to play like that person. In America, you get a ball and you go outside and you try and be like Jordan. You know, we did. Kids are kids. All want to be like LeBron now. But when you look around the rest of the world, they get a ball at their feet and they're like, I want to be like Messi. I want to be like Ronaldo. And so there's a disconnect on, on our stars being on TV, you know, in the limelight, in the mainstream. Because kids, kids want positive role models. And they don't see soccer players as that because soccer players aren't in their face the way other, uh, the way other athletes are. But, I mean, you know, we all know not everybody's going to the NBA. Not everybody's going sure. to the NFL. Not everybody's even going to the Major, major League Baseball. If I'm, like, if I'm like one of these fucking freak athletes. Yeah. Not to say that you could just learn to play soccer. Sure. And then you see these guys like Messi and Ronaldo. And then there's got to be lists of other people sure. that we don't know sure. that are huge stars making yeah. tons of money. Yeah. I mean, and you, you're you American dude. You got tats and shit. Yeah. Black dude. Like, I just, I don't get it. Right. Like, I'm a non-athlete. So I can't say why, why we're not doing shit. But I just don't get it why we'll never. Where, what is the state of American soccer now? Well, like, listen. when will we be like. That team. Will we ever be that team? I don't know if we'll ever be. Listen, I, I, here's what I think. Is it size? Are those guys little? Who? Soccer players. Like, in, yeah, like, like Messi's a small Yeah, he's small. Yeah. How big is he? He's short, man. Five foot nine. Do you need to be short to be a great no, soccer? Are no. there big tall There's ones? big tall dudes. But listen, here's what, I, here's what I say. If you're talking systematically, right, soccer in America has become, and this is how I grew up, right? It's it's a white collar sport in America, right? right? You got to have registration. You need a lot of people, too. A lot of people. You need registration fees. You need <laughs> a, a nice soccer bag, and you need nice fields. In the rest of the world, soccer is what basketball is. And like it's pickup. It's, it's pickup. It's put your shirt down, make a goal, play with whatever ball. You don't have to have a $100 ball. You just go. When we went to South Africa, man, for the World Cup, they balled together plastic uh, shopping bags, put some rubber bands around it, and that was their ball. And in America, that's what we are. If you want to be a basketball player, you just get your, your buddy out there, you dribble between your legs, you get some jump shots up. Football's the same. Sandlot. Drop a play on the back of the ball, hike it, and let's go. And, and soccer in America... We, there's a disconnect because we think we have to have 11 players aside. We have to have registration cards. You have to have a mom on the sideline with oranges and um, hot <laughs> chocolate. Shit. That's how I grew Juice up Juice boxes. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so like every kid can't do that. And so, um, you know, just try, trying to create some some inner city soccer fields. You know, like you said in New York, just getting people out there and say, you don't need all that. Just get a ball at your feet and go. You know, the best players in the world, they didn't have all that things we have in America. Right. They just figured it out and, and they got bullied. It's like, it's like playing pickup basketball. They got knocked around until they figured out how to do it. Right. Um, when the United States just lost to Trinidad yes. Tobago. Yes. Did you go? Yeah, keep- I was there. 
now Trinidad, like I, I know, like this is that's a sport in Trinidad yeah, yeah, Tobago. Yeah, yeah. And these guys, they're like fuck the United States. We play like they're yeah, hungry for sure. How frustrating is it when we didn't make the World Cup? Mm-hmm. The it's, United States. Yeah, listen, it, it was a shock to all of our systems. It was a bit huge shock to the U.S. soccer in general. But I think anytime you fail, you got to take stock, got to dust yourself down, figure out what didn't work, and go again. Like, we have no divine right to be in a World Cup. You have to earn it. And over the course of 10 games, which is what the final phase of World Cup qualifying is, we simply weren't good enough. And you can pick the bones out of it, and, and people will. And critics will tell you this is wrong and that's wrong, which is fine, because when you fail, you open yourself up to criticism. Um, but that's essentially it. You shouldn't be shot. Look, like I, I've told people, Italy didn't make the World Cup. Holland didn't make the World Cup. These are better football nations than we are. Gotcha. So, you know, it's not given to everyone. You have to earn it, and we didn't earn it. What country right now is is the best? Yeah, I mean, I think you're looking at Argentina, um, Spain, you know, in, in Brazil's always there. I think a dark horse this, this World Cup is going to be Belgium. They're young. They're strong. They're a solid team, man. So, you know, this it, it'll be an interesting World Cup for sure. What country would you say – Generally, you've played the whole world. Yeah. What country? Because I know uh, everybody has different hygiene. Now, I once worked with a French cinematographer, <laughs> and and she literally almost burnt my fucking nose up. <laughs> what country uh, uh, needs to use deodorant that doesn't use deodorant? What country has the worst? Like, were you like, whoa, this is a, a this is a <clears throat> yeah. different this is a foreign smell? Yeah. Would you say the French? Yeah. Can you say that? I think there are some. Yeah, I, I've got a a Parisian friend. He smells good, man. But I, you know. There was. I'm trying to think where I was. I might have been in Morocco when I was younger, man, and that was a tough. That was a tough one. The whole thing. Yeah, yeah. From from big start to start to finish. Now, when you're goaltending, like the the game against Belgium, yeah. that was the one yeah. where you had all the saves and we yeah. lost. I say we, and <laughs> and you're fucking diving all over the place. You're the fucking man. And are you just like, can't you get a fucking goal there? Like you could only do. You could only take so right. much onslaught. Right. 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 Like, because because you have so little control mm. over the game outside yeah, yeah, of what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. How frustrating is that if you if the United States can't get the ball in the net? Like, are you sometimes like you motherfucker do something? No, well, listen, I think no. I think when when like, even going into that game, man, we were massive underdogs. So obviously, we were going to try and get ours, but we also knew going into it, look, we're going to be under pressure here. And for me. You get in that zone. That that game, I was in, in on another level type zone. But I think you get in a zone, and my job is to make saves. And so, if there's one shot, then I'm just I'm just making sure it doesn't happen again. If there's two shots, I'm trying. You know, I'm trying to make the save. I'm also trying to lead. I'm trying to put out fires before they start. Like that's the job of a goalkeeper. What do you mean, put out fires before they well, st- they start? If a guy gets into a really good position, and he gets a shot off. You know, I'm gonna then speak to my teammates and say, look, hey. We got to make sure this doesn't happen again. Here's how, right? And so it's just a, this constant communication. Are you communicating with yeah, them? Yeah. Are the rest of the players talking back to you, or is or is the goaltender because you see things? Sure. You, you're looking the opposite way. Are you are like sort of the captain? Like, are you sort of like like because you're the last round? You're of the last line. You see it differently on the best teams. Every, it's constant communication. Everyone's talking to everybody. Um, that all that doesn't always happen, but certainly the guys in the back should be more vocal because they're seeing everything. So, like I said, for me, it wasn't a matter of like being able to stop in the moment and being like, "Hey, this is a bit too much." You don't have that luxury. You're just kind of playing the next ball, playing the next ball. And so, by the end of it, that's like someone said to me after the game, like that was a world record number of saves, and I was like. I don't remember one of them. You just get you. That's you get in that zone, and that's what you try and do. If you're playing a casual game, not a casual game, a pro game, but let's say your team is is winning seven mm-hmm. to one, mm-hmm. six to one. I wish. Yeah, you're kicking ass. Yeah, 
everything's away from you. It's yeah. downfield. That's yeah. the correct term, right? Yeah, that's right. Are you ever just like, fuck? Like, does your mind ever wander? <laughs> yeah, I'm human, right? Your, your mind has to wander, especially if, listen, if we're winning 6-1, I'm not even, I'm not, my mind's not even thinking about the game, but that's rare. I don't, I think that might've happened in 700 games, maybe twice. You know what I mean? But so, that you could remember actually like you caught yourself, like your mind wandering? But even that, I think your mind wanders, you know, in general, but it's, it's the, the great goalkeepers, the great performers, have an ability to keep themselves concentrated for a long period of time. No, no human being can concentrate for two hours straight. Right. But for the most part, you're you're completely in the game. You're immersed in the game, and I, I do that by talking and communicating and gesturing. And I'm never just sitting still. I'm always doing something. How is your training as a goalie? Listen, you're there. Your your shit seems like it's it's like. It's quick spurts. Yes. These fucking guys are oh. running up and down the fucking field. Crazy. I mean, I look at these games. I mean, just like sometimes I'm just like, is like as a soccer player, like they kick the ball. I would be like, come on, motherfucker. Yeah, I got to yeah. run. Like, if just just yeah. kick it over here. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. H- how different is the training of a goalie than it is the the rest of the team sure. in terms of your endurance yep. and, and, and what you need to be able to yep. do? No, you make a good point. Listen, I, these guys run. I asked the good questions. Tim. Yeah, you do. I know that. But I, I knew that coming in. These guys run like. 10 to 13K a game. It's crazy. It's crazy. What is that K? 13K? It's probably like, man. So you're all uh, European and shit. Like, is that miles? Six six miles a game, maybe. And a lot so of a busy game. High, high intensity, yeah. Yeah. And so for me, you know, the, what, I, what I always say, and you ask about my training, I always say, look, I don't want to run all that way that you guys do, but you guys sure as hell don't want to put your face in front of this ball going as fast as it goes. And so my, my training, it, it, it's a lot of up and down, you know, hit, diving, hitting the ground, getting up. Um, short, sharp intensity, not not these long distance running. So when you're he- training heavy, yeah, and I love to ask the athletes. I'm old. About- I'm old, so I don't train heavy heavy much more. But yeah, but you still like when you're yeah. when you're at your peak. Like what is what is a day like when you're like getting in shape? Now, like walk me through a day. What time you wake up? Like when you're you're training at this point? Because obviously. You, as you get older, like you yeah. said, you know what you need to yeah. do. Which you you you, yeah. you don't want to overdo it, no, it sure but you also don't want to underdo it. So when you're at a training at this point yeah. in your career, yeah. walk me through a day. What like like the details? What time do you wake up? I stay off the ground. I try not to hit the ground during the off season because. It's, what do you mean hit the ground? Like dive around and saving balls and all that because it's 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 hard on your joints and I'm old and hips and so I try and let my body rest. Okay. So, a better example would be preseason. You know, Give it to me. And we're getting up, we're getting up about seven o'clock, having a team breakfast, getting all our treatments from the physiotherapists and trainers. Then we're on the field for a two-hour session, um, which again is my goalkeeper training is is unique. But these guys are training. The outfield players are running, training. Um, have some lunch, maybe a weight session, maybe a yoga session. Depends on the day. I do hot yoga. Is it hot yoga hot or yoga? yoga? Yeah, hot yoga. I, I do hot yoga. It's the best. I love it. Yeah, I'm. Pr- I'm gonna tell you something right now. Okay, you'd be fucking impressed if you saw me do oh, hot yoga. Oh, I'd be very impressed. I could do. I'm, I'd probably say right now, Tim, that I'm probably more flexible than you. That's probably the only thing in terms of sports. I, I believe it. Like I could do some wild shit with I the yoga. It. Yes. Okay, so the team will like that's part of soccer training so, or yoga some, or for goalies. No, some no for the team. Some teams will do you know yoga on, on on like a on a day where they need to rest their bones, and then we'll go out for a second session in the afternoon, which are going to be probably two hours long, and that's. Are the goaltenders tra- trained differently than? Yeah, yeah. We have our we have our own specialized coach. We're off to off in one area, and like I said, we're we're getting shots hit at us. We're diving. We're doing a lot of catching, um, some kicking, but you know we're not doing as much running. But it's 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 higher intensity and it's harder on the body. When you're getting um, a penalty kick, yep. Like, 
the thing that I think 99.9% of the world would do besides a, a really good goalie is blink. Yeah. Is is the face. Yeah. When you're getting a kick kicked at you, yeah. do you don't blink? Like, are you is are you <laughs> even concerned with the face? Uh, yeah, I mean, you're concerned with it, but you have to take a few off the face. Yeah, that's just normal. But like when a ball's coming at you, you're not thinking about, oh, my face. Like, right, like right. do you no, know what no, I'm saying? Because no, like, no, the natural no. reaction to whether a fly, like, you, you know, the face, everybody. Correct. But like as a goalie, that's something you have to sort of lose. That's, that's, it's an interesting point. I say that to people all the time. And that the natural reaction when something gets thrown at you or hit at you 70 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour, whatever it is, is to get out of the way. A goalkeeper has to train themselves to get in the way and block the ball, and so yeah, it's a it's a different level. It hurts sometimes, but you got to get used to it. I like at high end goals. I don't see you get it to the face that much. Well, you got yeah, but you're training your hands. Your your hands are quick. You you're, I mean? you're, you're you're getting them up and getting them out of the way for sure. Throughout your career, inadvertently, you've gotten kicked in the face. Of course, yeah. You're going for the ball. He's going for the ball. You have to get down there. Yeah. By any means necessary. Yeah. And fingers are you like are, are fingers a let me see. Yeah. This one's all fucked yeah, up. It's broke. It's done. That one too. That just doesn't doesn't flatten out. Have you broken all your fingers? Uh not all of them. A lot of them though. And and what other injuries like from from a goaltend? Like you said, the hips, the, is the diving yeah. a big thing? Uh diving is, man. I, I think it's more it's more strenuous. Like I, I had I had groin surgery last year, man. I tore my adductor tendons, broke my back before. Broke your back. Thankfully, not two non weight bearing bones. But yeah, I was out. Playing for, goalie? Yeah. I got undercut. Motherfucker. And what country was this? This is in England, yeah. <laughs> Just accidentally. Nah, I mean, he knew what he was doing. That yeah. motherfucker. What's his name? I don't even know who That cocksucker. <laughs> okay, so that's crazy. Crazy. Um, and Because the face thing to me is, it's so, um, it's just such an interesting thing because like, when you when that ball's being kicked at you, who, when you've done penalty kicks throughout your career... Who's the most dangerous? Who are the top three most dangerous penalty kickers where you're like, motherfucker? I faced uh, Thierry Henry. You know, he played for Arsenal yep. and the French national team. Certainly uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, without without question. Um, God, I don't even know. Maybe this, a fella, a French guy named Didier Drogba, who now uh, used to play in um, Montreal in MLS. Yeah. And he was he is yeah. it the speed is it the accuracy pace power yeah all of that and generally they don't kick at the goalie correct no they try and kick away from you so they're going for the spots yes you look at my shit tattoo I, uh, I seen it it's what is garbage it, it was my ex wife's name and yeah I fucking trash uh, don't worry no, about you it you know those are the best ones though I've got a few my Good. first one was Superman like who does was that, that your first tattoo uh, Shaq had it back in the nineties so I'm like I'm gonna go for that you know what I mean so he was uh wait wait what is the song he was. Uh, he was with the Fushnikins or something. which um, and you, you know who wrote all, uh, a lot of his rhymes. I mean, it was it was uh, it was a fight from a tribe yeah, called Quest. Yeah, it's crazy, man. So yeah, I was trying to be Shaq. I don't know what you're trying. I mean, I've got, I've got, I've got some bad ones. I was a sucker for love. I hear you, but listen, I, that's what I love about tattoos. They all tell a story, man. I love, I, I love the old ones, man. Love the old ones. Have you got it tatted all over the world? Yeah, I've got some great artists, man. A bunch in in London, L.A. Um, yeah, man, everywhere. I, I love it. Who, who, so in LA, who's who's you, you said Luke? Luke, yeah, Luke Westman, uh, Tokyo Hero, guy named Hiroshi. Okay, uh, he's out of Huntington Beach. Um, Lal Hardy in um, in London is is he's he used to tattoo all the punk bands back in the eighties. Man, he's got this cult following. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like tattooing is such a part. Like when there's like reality shows. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you grew up with Tourette syndrome. Yeah. So 
I find this fascinating as an athlete. Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, yep. I'm sure you're familiar yeah. with because He's my hero. Yeah. And and I when I talked to him, he said amongst other things about the Tourette's mm-hmm. was it's one of the reasons why he wound up being so good yeah. because he couldn't leave the gym. Yeah. You know, whether I'm just I'm paraphrasing, but he'd be like, you know, I had to do it right over and over and over. So if you're a basketball player, yeah. crossover, crossover, shoot. Yeah. Crossover. And and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but that's sort of like the benefit is you wind up being <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chris Jackson, Mah- sure, sure. Mahmoud Abdul Roof. Talk to me about your struggle with Tourette's, mm-hmm. um, the highs, the lows, the, the hardest part, and how it affected you as an athlete. Yeah. Well, I think that's right. And people always ask me, is you know, is is there something to it where you're just more laser focused. And I did find that with the the OCD component of TS, I just think you you over obsess about so many aspects. And, and to be quite honest, in sports, it's actually might maybe a good thing, right? You're shooting more foul shots. You're taking more, you know, you're saving more balls every day. I, I think for me, it turned out to be a blessing. The, the, the hard part that you asked about was, I think when you're younger and you don't have success, Right, because you don't have you don't have experience. You're thinking, can I be successful? Can I do this? Like, am, am I going to be able to date girls? Maybe able to drive a car? Like, what what does this mean for me? And then you get experience, and you have some successes, and you're a good athlete, and you win some games, and you're the star of a certain team. Then you start to begin you you begin to realize, like, I can do this mm-hmm. because of or in spite of Tourette syndrome. And so that's kind of how my journey went. To be honest, there was a lot of what is at the beginning, but then I embraced it, man. I just I lived with it. I thrived with it. When did you realize, uh, or did your parents realize mm-hmm. that you had Tourette's? Uh, I started showing signs and ticks probably at the age of nine or ten. You're probably talking late eighties, early nineties. Oh, so it's a whole. There's no internet. Nah, there's nothing, right? Which is crazy. So there's no internet. You know, teachers back in the day, you know, who are supposed to be you know, your rock and people you can lean on are saying like. We never heard of that. That's a load of bullshit. And like, and then, what the fuck are you doing? Right, right. And then he's a disturbance in class. And you go to a doctor, and a the doctor, they don't have the right medi- medication. So they're like, uh, you know, anti-anxiety or an- anti-depression or, you know, all these different drugs that have nothing to do with TS. And so all the people that you're hoping to lean on as a parent with no internet, with no idea of what's going on with your child, they're showing signs of ticks, and it freaks any parent out. The people you're supposed to rely on most were the least helpful. And so my my mom, she just self-educated. She just, she learned and picked up literature and again, no internet, right? So going to the library, trying to read as many books as she can. And ultimately we got a diagnosis, which was, which was nice to have because you were able to put a name to something that is going on with your child. And you know, anytime something's going on with your child, it's like you need to figure it out and do it fast. Obviously, you're older, so you you have an understanding of it and a perspective on it. But when you're you're that age and into your teens, yeah. what were the sort of symptoms that you were dealing with? Like what, what like did you have like the thing where you're counting, yeah. uh, like door closing? Yeah. Explain yeah. that to me. Explain sure. what that is. Sure. So what I had when I was younger, like I had a bunch of different ticks. Obviously, they they manifest themselves physically in in, in different ways. So uh, a lot of eye blinking, rapid eye movement. Um, you know, shoulder shrugs, that that type of physical uh, twitching. Obviously, the um, you know the mental side, yeah, counting different different things and, in your head. Yeah, in, in your head, t- touching touching different uh, tiles on the floor. You know, to to make it feel right, whatever making it feel right meant. 
And how much of a struggle is that when you're, especially when you're not understanding yeah, it? Yeah, it, that that's the hardest part. Is once, once I came, once I came to realize what it was and how it was going to affect me, then you can kind of get on with it. But when you're like, when you're nine years old and you can't get out of the kitchen because you're counting tiles, you're like, what the hell is going on? Like, what is this? You know what I mean? And um, it's tough. But but again, this is why the the awareness and the diagnosis and self advocating is so important for kids with TS. And uh, uh, you mentioned Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf, yeah. Chris Jackson. Yeah. You, you said he's a hero. Why? Well, because I think, yeah, I wish I knew the program, but there was a sports program. Uh, I'm guessing, I'm guessing late, late nineties, maybe uh, late eighties, early nineties, yeah. where they showed him in locker room and tying his shoes and untying his shoes and um, dealing with his physical tics. And I'm like, damn, that that's that's me. That's crazy, right? And so. Again, there was nobody else out there who had a platform who was doing that. And so, like, you can imagine for a kid like me, I played hoops, I played soccer, this guy plays basketball. I'm like, man, like, and to this day, we actually have mutual friends, uh, and uh, you know him, but I- I've never met him. But it's still, it's still, you know, it's about bucket list stuff for a guy like me. Oh, you got to meet him. I know. And I've, and I've, and one day I will, and, and I would love to. You, you got to, um, because, you know, I met him beforehand, but he was in the big three last summer. Yeah, that's right. That's and right. he was killing it. Yep. I mean, he's such an icon in like his career because you know he was blackballed from the NBA sure, essentially. You know, sure. he was you know not to go too far in, nah. in, into his career, but like you know p- for for taking a stand. Sure. And and then uh, I mean, he was so he was like Steph Curry before Steph Curry yes. as far as his game handle, jump shot, yeah, and just you know from way out, Crazy. like he was shooting threes before threes became like right. layups. Right, 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 right. You you have to meet him, uh, uh, would, the, you know, well, in the summer to one day, yeah. And know. you you'll trip out because he's like a small dude. I know, I and he it. got busy in the big three, but I, I, he was sort of like the story because I don't think the style of play people thought because he was so small and he was—I yeah. think he's the oldest dude in the league. Yeah, he's killing. He dudes. still has game. He's still, I, I see. He's, he's tra- he trains a lot of NBA players, man. He's got game. Yeah, he's yeah. he's really good. Yeah. Um. And and where are you now? Um. You know, with Tourette's, and and how do you deal with it today? Yeah. Same as I always have. I just know my body better. I know how it affects me. I'm unapologetic about, you know, when I feel anxious and I feel like, you know what, I'm a bit uncomfortable at the moment. I can remove myself and give myself my own space. I'll give you an example. Uh, the night before any game is the, is the highest anxiety I ever have because I, I, I'm a competitor, right? And there's always a what if. And I feel like getting butterflies in your stomach are good for a competitor. And I know 24 hours for a game, I allow myself my own personal time, get in the house, chill out, do whatever I want, give myself some space. Whereas before I understood kind of how my body worked and I might, I might be out in public or I might be in a place where I feel uncomfortable. Now I, I, I get to the point where I'm saying, nah, just, I'll, I'll shut it down. I'll go to my room, I'll chill out, I'll put some TV on and relax. I got you. And I allow myself that space now. Um, look, and I, it's also become who I am. You know, it's like, I, I say it all the time, if I woke up tomorrow without TS, it would feel odd. Because mm. it's who I am. I, I live with it, I, I thrive with it, um, and it's 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 normal to me. It's comfortable to me. I got me. you. And that's, you know, I'm not embarrassed by it. You know what I mean? So that's just it's just become who I am. And so... It's hard to think of like oh, people ask me like what if I didn't I, I wouldn't be me. I got you. You know. I saw like you know when you play sometimes you know in terms of pattern cuz some you tape yeah, I, yeah. a lot of goalies do this yeah. but like you tape your yeah, fingers yeah. obviously for you you broken them they're fractured sure. or whatever but is that something that'll drive you nuts 
or at a point driving nuts in terms of the because yes. I could just imagine yes. like I mean it looks cool <laughs> yeah. and you know you want it to look perfect you yeah. know you got style and shit like that but like just like a, like a little thing like taping your fingers yeah. does it affect you like that now or did it used to or like you know what I'm saying it like used these to, little it details used to, I like still, your socks and your laces and all, all that of shit it. and it's funny you say that because I think I think as an athlete there's a line between preparation and superstition what I mean by that is and I don't know where the line is right like I. I do. I wrap my ankles the same way. I put my right shoe on, my right sock on, my right glove on. You know, if there's if there's a pair of things to put on, I put the right one on first, right? And so, is it stu- superstitious? Yes. But I get to the point now, and I think a lot of athletes get to the point where it's my preparation. And if I put the left shoe on first, it's superstition. But if I go out on the court and I put my left shoe on first, what am I going to be thinking about? Let me think about am my I gonna, am I going to screw up here? I put my left shoe on, and so so superstition morphs into preparation, and so. I, what I try not to do is let it become a crutch. I want to be prepared. I have my own superstitions. I don't want to have too, too many. Right. Because I don't want it to become a crutch. Like, I can't perform today because of this. I got you. But I certainly love the fact that I get to the stadium. I do things a certain way. I drive to the stadium a certain way because I want to feel like it's important because the game is important. I got you. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess all players, whether you have Tourette's or not, sure. they have their routines, whether it's, you know, Curry's warm up or. Yeah. You know, whatever it is, yeah. you know. So I mean, it, I, it's it's an interesting line between you know what they would say with Tourette's mm-hmm. uh, syndrome or or preparation and superstition. Sure. All right, you got the tribe hat on, of course. Um, let's talk hip hop. Yes. What do you like? When did you fall in love? You're from Jersey, uh, Method Man, uh, Queen Latifah, yep. uh, Naughty by Nature. What? Like, I'll just I'll start with the obligatory question. Yeah. Five favorite. MCs, MCs yeah, of all time, you. and it's interchangeable. Yeah, I got people, you. you know, I ask this I question to different people. People I, are like, I, I don't got want the to answer. Offend I already know. The only per- okay, okay, uh, and I'll give you six with the cherry on top. All right, all right. So, and I couldn't even give you order. I couldn't, even, order. I couldn't even give you order. This is just five: Biggie, we- Pac, Eminem, Nas, Jay Z, Rakim. It's hard. It's so hard when you get to five because you start going like one through three. Like, yeah, I got this, and then all of a sudden you're like, shit, I'm running out of spaces here, and I feel like I got a bunch in my head. Those would be, those would be the five plus six man of the year. It's it's crazy, but like I love hip. So so to continue on that, the way hip hop changed my life was. I remember if anyone from Jersey knows, you can take the turnpike or the parkway. I was on the parkway. With a couple older heads coming back from New York, we went to get the gaucho shorts because back in the day, those gaucho shorts, like everybody was hooping in them. Yep. So you talking about gaucho from like the in in the Bronx? Yeah. From yeah. the team, the gauchos. Yeah, yeah. And they had these shorts, right? And so like, we get back on the Parkway, we're driving home. So you were balling, so Riverside Church gauchos. Yeah, like yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. played ball, played ball. And All so right. we're at the Turnpike, we're at the Toll Booth, Hot 97's on, and they're like, we're about to drop an exclusive. It's called from Notorious B.I.G. Juicy and Juicy drops, and I just remember thinking like, "This is like I've never heard anything like this." How like, old were you at that time? I'm thinking I was probably like 14. Okay, I, so I was young. I was like a, I was a middle schooler hanging with the older kids. My brother was an older senior, and that changed my world. And then, um, Lauren Hill, uh huh, Lauren Jersey again. Like, like Lauren Hill started changing the game because I'm like everything. Wu Tang, love Wu Tang, right? The Rizzo, the Jizz, Old Dirty Bass, Inspect the Deck, You Got Ghostface, Killer Meth, all these, everything's hardcore. And then all of a sudden, Lauren comes in and she's singing the hook, and you're like, "Am I supposed to like this? This is kind of soft, and it's kind of like not. This isn't like 
Unlaced Timberlands. This is <laughs> this is Lauren Hill. And so like it changed my conscience. Like I was like, this is crazy, you know? Um, and then of course, tribe, tribe with the with the African colors and the red, the green, the black. And it's like they were talking about things that weren't like killing somebody. They right. weren't, you know, it wasn't like slinging dope. It was right. it was conscious stuff, right. right? And you go back and it's almost And it like, was it was so catchy. So catchy, man. I mean, when you look at the the musicality specifically of tribe. I mean, they like it's great American music. Like yeah. they made fucking songs. Like, yeah. Check the rhyme, y'all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it's like they're almost like we take them. They're like the Beatles in a of way. Of course, of course. You man. know, it's just like they're the melody and yeah. shit. And they, I'm not a music person, but like it's just like no, I know they're fucking easy to swallow. But they, they were kicking that shit. And there was a, there was a you know, that movement of like De La and Tribe and the Jungle Brothers and all the like it was. It was different, but the thing, the great thing about hip hop back in the '90s, everybody gelled together, right? Whether yeah. you're talking about slinging dope, whether you're talking about girls being socially conscious, everyone molded together. And like my son right now, God bless him, man. He he is into his DJ, man. And we try and foster me and his mom try and foster that, and we get him turntables and speakers. And we I kitted out a studio in my new house for him, uh, low end because he's 12, but he's into making music and making That's beats, dope. and he's on it. And like everything now. God bless him is 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 the new stuff, and I like that he loves music. But I try and like I, I just I'll just dip his toe into something. I'm like, get listen to Eminem. What does that sound like? Right? He'll 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 know the difference. He'll know the difference. And then like back when hip hoppers were, were using R and B hooks, all you know, in the mid '90s. And so like I'm like, oh, listen to this. Listen to SWV. See how that translates. And so I can see his wheels turning because right now, unfortunately, I think I'm not a hater of hip hop right now. Unfortunately, I just think. Everyone kind of sounds the same. Like, I'm having to lean over to my, my son and be like, who is this again? Where, like, if Biggie comes on the radio and Pac comes on the radio, you don't have to ask who it is. You never had to ask who it is. You knew where they were from, what they were singing about. Now everybody's kind of using the same hooks, the same beats. They're auto-tuning it. So it, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in love with it. I buy it. I listen to it. I move to it. But I'm not in love with it. You said Rakim, and, you know, like, he's old, you're older than you. Yeah. What about Rakim? It's crazy because... I was interviewing somebody the other day. They said Rock Kim. I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. I- I'm trying to get him on the podcast. Well, I said by any <laughs> by any means necessary. You have sure. to go to him. I was like, I don't give a fuck. Cool. Yeah. I would freak. I met him one time. Oh my God! And I was literally like, I saw a ghost. Yep. Yep. You know, because in, yep. in, in is all my years in New York and in clubs. Sure. Like he was like, you know, so low key that you might yep. not see me incognito, yep. taking it easy. And when I saw him in real life, I was like, Oh shit! That's. Yeah. I, I was yeah. like, there he is. Yeah. Um, talk on Rakim. You know, uh, kind of what you're saying, man. He, he he had this. They had the down goose jackets and the gold rope chains and the Kangol hats and you know Eric being Rakim were like they were smooth enough with the ladies, but they talked about what was going on on the block and it, it there was something about his delivery. It was yeah. it was smooth. It was uh, melodical. It was. He just had it all, and so like, and then he had, and then he had the lyrics to back it up, and it was just like, man, this is powerful stuff. But you didn't know how powerful it was at the time. No, and so that's that's kind of where when I talk about lyricists, forget like, you know, who sells most right. I didn't talk about pure lyricists. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm open to hearing people's top five, but I'm pretty sure like that five or six, man, they got to be in the conversation no matter who you are. Absolutely. I mean, and it's so subjective. You know, it's like, and that's why I would say you could change it because people, of course, of course, you know, they don't want to. You know, there's Nas, there's, you know, uh, you know, you listen to Guru, but he's part of a group. So, right. and then, you know, I, I mean, there's, 
you know, KRS-One and Big Daddy mm-hmm, Kane mm-hmm. and, you, you know, I mean, KRS-One was a motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. He's like, yeah. you know, you listen to that shit. Um, and, and I mean, and Ghostface and Ray Co- oh. I mean, they're all like, they're ridiculous. Yeah. And Method Man, I had, yeah. did you, the Method Man, Method Man did the podcast. You got, he fucked my head up. You yeah. guys, all right, I'm on it. I'm on it. He Wait. fucked my head up for, for a real? few reasons, for like just the stories. And when he talked about, the thing I love about somebody like Method Man and, and like a rapper, and you know, or even like when I talk to like, you know, pr- producers, th- when they talk about the craftsmanship, mm-hmm. like, and he talked about, uh, flow because this yeah. flow and he just broke it down in sort of in the in the detail that even if you're the biggest fan you're not looking at it no, that no, way no, no, of course it's like right. goaltending or acting right, like right, right. you're just not looking at it the way if you didn't do it yes you know you just you just if you don't do it you just you just don't understand it sure I think there's a certain level of that yes, yes. you know what I mean we could sit here and talk about how LeBron sucks or Kevin Durant's great right. or you know this rapper's whack but at the end of the day like they're gonna have a, sh- a smaller conversation of course in the minutia yes yes it's it's funny though you say Ghostface man I, like he's ridiculous yeah and and it almost like it almost like slipped out of my mind but when it comes to like Wu Tang and like when they when they split. Ghost is my guy. Like, like his. There's something about him, man. That is just like I listen to him. It takes me back to that place where I'm like, yeah, this is where I want to be. You yeah, know? no, I know, I know and, what you mean. And it's funny. We're speaking of tribe. So my tribe moment. Like, I don't. You meet people all the time. I meet people all the time. I'm unmoved by it. The one time I met Q-Tip. Like, they, they, people say like, who's you ever want to meet? Like, I don't really care to meet a whole lot, whole bunch of people. But like, Q-Tip is on that list, and he's up near the top, at the top, and. I'm sitting courtside at the garden with my boy, the Mecca. Spike Lee comes over. God bless him, man. He's a soccer fan, Arsenal fan. He knows who I am, bigs me up, and I'm just like, I'm on cloud nine, right? Sure enough, he's like, let me let me introduce my man Q-Tips. I was like, here we go, right? He's talking about like bucket list stuff. This is this is all happening. I'm a massive Spike Lee fan. I have everything he's ever made. Um, I love him. And sure enough, he introduced me to Q-Tip, and I think I said something whack like, yo, I love your music. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you had one shot, and you say the same thing to him and everybody else says, and I was just like, damn, can you I go gotta back? Get a, you got to get, get a redo. Can I go back Q-tip? in time, man? So anyway, but yeah, that was that was my moment. Um, Basketball. You grew up a Knicks fan. Yep. Where, where are you at with the NBA? Let me let me just throw this to you. Go on. Uh, we, you know, we know our Knicks are, are better than they were last year. We're yeah. not winning jack shit. <clears throat> right, of course. Who's going to make it to the finals? Rockets are going to push Golden State, but Golden State won't lose. They'll get to the finals. Um Here's my here's my issue with the East. Here's my issue with the East. And I only just I only just really kind of formulated this recently because I'm watching the Cavs struggle. LeBron, I love it. Do you Le- like watching them struggle? I love it. Nah, because I want to see Golden State lose. I, I'm, I'm like, yes, whoa, whoa. yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. My eyes just went cross. No, only because only because they're too good. It's like it's like anything else. You root for them until they get too good, and you're like, man, you're amazing. So here's my issue. Here's my issue with. The Cavs right now. Because LeBron James is the best player on the planet. They are making the mistake that the Pittsburgh Steelers made. Pittsburgh Steelers thought, we've been the bridesmaids so long to the Pats, we got to beat the Pats, but they forgot about the teams in front of them. Right? So they've been building up to beat the Pats, but what they screwed up was the fact that they forgot how good the Jaguars were. And what they should have done is what the Pats do. They don't say nothing. They keep everything in-house, and they say, you know what? We're going to take care of business against this team. And that they don't look forward, even though in their mind they know they're going to win a Super Bowl. And so what the Cavs have done, unfortunately, is they've just kind of thought, we'll Cadillac through the regular season, we'll rest our players, we'll just get to the final, 
and then we'll worry about the Warriors when we get there. And I just worry that this year that's going to bite them because mm. I, I, cause I think, you think they might not make it. I, I, I don't, I, I really think they're going to struggle. Here's my thing. I think they gave up a hundred points in like 30 out of 40 games over the course of seven games. You can't give up a hundred points in, in 90% of your games. You're going to lose. It's the NBA playoffs. You got to buckle down and play defense. And right now I just think, I also think people have gotten lured into this false sense of big, we call it the, the big three, right? And the problem is some teams, big threes suck. Some teams' big threes are small. Th- like, like everyone wants to say, like, it, it was Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, right? That was the original, quote-unquote, big – well, maybe Boston had it with uh, – but even even Rondo wasn't part of the big three. He became part of the big right. three. That's right? true. So the original big three was what they did in Miami. Golden State's completely shredded the script because you can't leave any of their players open, right? Nah. So they went from they went from <laughs> big three to a guaranteed big four. Legitimate, real-deal big four. Real-deal big four, and – and when you look at how the NBA plays defense on pick and rolls, they're always helping with the third player, which leaves somebody open. Golden State rotates the ball. They're unselfish. And they're not worried about giving it to the guy on the wing because they know the guy on the wing can shoot. Right? And so if, you, so if you're telling me Cleveland's not playing good, solid defense, how are they going to get to the final? I, I think Boston plays really hard. Yeah. I think that when I talk about playoffs, I talk about a seven-game series and digging in, Boston plays their tail off. Mm. You know? I would love to. I mean, I would. It's so crazy for me to say that I would love for the Celtics yeah, to do yeah, anything because yeah. I grew up. I, I hated them so like, <laughs> of blind course. hate, of course, and blind and, and you know and and I mean people like why are you hate? I'm like because they're the fucking Celtics. Like yeah. people like you know like you can't hate in sports. I'm like I could fucking of hate. Of course you can because you can't love. Nah, of course you. If can. you can't hate, right? You, I can't. Hate the Celtics if I don't love the Knicks. Yep. Or I can't hate Larry Bird if I don't love Dr. J. Sure. It doesn't work that way. Nope. You don't say, why do you love Dr. J so much? <laughs> I love Dr. J so much, and I fucking want him to bring Larry Bird to his fucking knees. Yes. But that being said, I want the Celtics to beat the yes. Cavaliers. The Gordon Hayward factor. Ugh. Yeah. What is there? You know, we talked about the big three, and that's been the sort of big conversation in the yeah. NBA. And I have, you know, my feelings about it. Is there anything like that that's going on in pro soccer? In terms of guys, yo, we're gonna all play together. I, I, I don't yeah. know. It's it, no, it's harder to do it in soccer only because you need so many pieces, right? Like you're saying, you're saying on a team of twelve, you know, you need three guys and you can actually compete with the elite in soccer, man. You, you got there's you got to be good at almost every position because yeah, you can have a striker who scores forty five, fifty goals a year, but if you suck defensively, it's not going to work. And so, um, but it's it's funny. It brings me back to New York, the Knicks, because I'm. I always have this issue with the Knicks, right? In, in the world of free agency and the world of the big three, like New York is the greatest place in the NBA to play basketball. The biggest media market. You make it in New York, they're going to build statues of you. And I just like, I'm pondering. I, I, got a lot of, I got a lot of friends in the Knicks. I'm pondering, like, how, how is it? We're always over the luxury tax anyway, right? Like, how is it that we didn't lure LeBron? We didn't lure KD? We, we did, how, Those how, are dark years, man. Like, how was how that not? How is that not a thing? You know what I mean? And and so it just it kind of blows my mind. And it ain't like we're not spending money because we, we spend a lot of money on the other fella and we you know and he's no longer there. And so I like, know, man. And so like it's not as if they're saying we're cutting back. That, that's that's not it. My hope is that I like I, I think that that era of of missing out on LeBron. I never thought he was coming to New York. Uh, uh you know, we got Carmelo. That that didn't work. Yeah. He was mistreated by uh, uh Phil Jackson despite. Whether he shoots too much, doesn't sure. whatever the fuck, sure, like sure, no sure. player should be disrespected, no, of course not. you know, like that publicly. Not. It's insane, Crazy. and then and then he even started with Porzingis, like he's taunting to trade him. It was right. It was insane. Right. All right. 
Tim Howard, the last line of defense from Jersey. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. I appreciate you rocking me. This was great. Um, you're playing with the Denver team? Yep, Colorado Rapids. From when to when? So hopefully the finals in December. And Oh, shit. It goes all the way all through the way. December? Yeah. And what about international play? We'll see. Right now they're going through an election to, to uh, elect a new president and hire a new coach. So we'll see what happens. I'm old, man. Oh, I mean, we'll see. Do you, we'll see. Do you think you're done with international playing? It, it very well could be. You know, we don't know that. And it, is it a tryout guess. or is it elected? Or like, how does it work nah. with somebody of your stature? I think you got you to gotta be playing. You got to be playing well. Obviously, age factors into it and depending on when the next major tournament comes around and all that. So I'm focused right now on, on, on Denver, making it happen there. We'll see what happens. Give me two names of younger American players, soccer players, that we should take note of that, you know, could sort of, you know, become those mm-hmm. guys. Kristen Pulisic. You know, you've heard his name. He plays in, in Germany at Borussia Dortmund. You know, he's our next superstar, and rightfully so. He's talented. And uh, Kellen Acosta is a kid who's got a big, big upside. He plays in Dallas right now, but uh, sky's the limit for him. All right. Tim Howard, I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. I appreciate you rocking with me. All right, yo, I want to thank Tim Howard for rocking me on the podcast, for keeping it funky. Uh, all the insight, all the information. And li- listen, that's it, man. That's it. Moody. Oh. That's it. That's it. What you, oh, what, what, say, you, what you got? What you got? I want to say, um, I came across a, a great show that the fans would love. Uh, DJ K-Slay has a show on YouTube called What's the Science? And he interviews all the pioneers from way back in the days. And, yo, you can hear great stories about how this culture was formed in New York City, hip-hop culture, all, all, the, all the pioneers. It's great. Great interviewer, DJ Clay K-Slay. It's called what, What's the Science? YouTube. I suggest everyone check it out. Um, Miles Jordan, let me get something nice. We'll talk over this on the outro. Uh, once again, I want to thank Tim Howard for rocking on the world's best I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. G. Moody, last name rhymes with duty, three-time podcast co-host of the year. My name is Michael Rappaport, a.k.a. the Bill Lambier of podcasting, a.k.a. the Jake <laughs> LaMotta of podcasting. We are the bad boys of this shit. Miles, Jordan, thank you for doing your thing. We'll be back Word. with a lot more heat this week. Tim Howard, thanks again for rocking with us. Peace. <laughs>